Instagram. It is Phoenix Kalita hanging out with you. Um, thanks for hanging out with me. We're going to do a little swap cast, get some sex worker news in, uh, keep you informed, up to date, all that jazz. So I guess first and foremost, I just want to um, acknowledge that the AV AVN Awards just uh, finished up, wrapped up, right? Those are for the adult industry, for porn performers especially. Um, I guess shout out to them for having Aries Spears on as an opening comedian act who did his entire bit about how strippers are just people who make bad life choices and need Jesus, and then followed up with Lil Pump being the musical guest, even though he made an entire Instagram video about raping a sex worker, where he um, agreed to pay a fee for certain services, received said services, and then just basically put her out and didn't pay her, um, which was not what the contract was. So, all right, AVN, whatever the fuck is up with that. Um, yeah, and then, of course, also, uh, shout-out to Hard Rock Hotel Las Vegas. That's where they hosted that. That's an actual shout-out. Apparently, there was, like, some creepy dude who got apprehended by security. He keep uh, he kept telling, um, different models and whatnot there that he worked for Brazzers, which is a well-known porn company, and he also worked for Playboy, and at, at some point, he eventually assaulted someone. Um, so, actually, shout-out to Hard Rock, uh, security staff for actually apprehending the guy, all I can say is it sounds like Avian was a fucking clusterfuck. Wow. Anyways, moving on to other sex worker news. So, I wanted to touch on this story uh, from Quebec. Uh, I've seen it sort of making the rounds a little bit. It's about a sex worker who was murdered. Uh, her name was Mary Lynn... Uh, hmm, I'm going to attempt to say the last name here properly. Levesque. I'm probably saying that wrong because I have the impression it's French. I do not speak French. I am sorry. Um, so, Quebec's justice ministers await the risk prisoners pose to the public following following the slaying of a 22-year-old woman, <clears throat> which was allegedly committed by a man who was previously convicted of murder and was out on parole. Oh. Okay. If only there was a way we could have known he might be a threat to society. Anyways. Um, Sonia LaBelle told reporters Friday she was extremely concerned about the facts surrounding the death of Mary Lean a sex worker who was allegedly killed by a 51-year-old Ustachio Galice in a Quebec City hotel Wednesday. She called on the federal public safety minister, Bill Blair, to investigate how the parole board came to its decision to release Galice and asked the minister to, quote, come back to us with answers. In 2006, Galice was sentenced to a life prison without the possibility of parole for 15 years after he killed his 32-year-old partner, Chantal Deschain, by beating her with a hammer before stabbing her. Okay. Uh, in 2007, the parole board con concluded that Galice posed a high risk of committing violence against a partner, but the board has since revised its evaluation to moderate by 2016 and allowed him out of prison on supervised outings. The board released him to a halfway house in March. So this is oh, ah, sorry, it's out of playing ads. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, LaBelle said she recognized board members needed to be open to letting prisoners integrate back into society, but noted safety and security of the public must come first. I think it's important to fully understand the reasons that led to the decision, said LaBelle, uh, regarding Galice's release, and we need to see if board members are sufficiently equipped to make proper evaluation of risks. Hmm. According to the Quebec City newspaper Le Soleil, uh, Levesque uh, had been working out of an erotic massage parlor but Galice had reportedly been banned from the building because he was violent with other women. 
the story just keeps fucking getting worse and worse, doesn't it? All right. So he's already convicted of killing a domestic partner, gets out because he's a moderate threat, starts attending a massage parlor, and gets banned for being violent towards female workers there. It's almost like misogyny and uh, violent misogyny is a fucking trend with this guy. All right. Uh, So because he was banned from the building, the two met at a uh, hotel in the St. Foy district. Uh, Galise turned himself into police Wednesday night and was charged the following day with second degree murder. Mary Liz Power, a, a spokeswoman for Blair, said Public Safety Canada extends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Mary Lynn Levisque. I highly doubt that. Uh, Power said day parole is an important process of the gradual supervised release and that violent offenses by individuals on a day parole are incredibly rare. I, you know, I believe that they're incredibly rare. I just agree with the earlier statement that we would like to know what made the parole board go from this guy as a serious risk to not so much a risk. Yeah, because he didn't seem like he wasted a lot of time. Because, wait, let me scroll back up here. Um, It says he was released to a halfway house in March. So if that was March of, you know, 2019, he wasn't even out for a year before getting banned from a massage parlor and murdering another woman. It seems like maybe he was, you know, and not just because of, like, a hindsight 2020, but... You know, how did he con these people into thinking that he wasn't a threat? I would like to know. Um, the Parole Board of Canada makes these decisions independently based on long-standing criteria established to promote safe and effective reintegration to society for offenders. I just wonder if that integration includes, like, considering the needs of marginalized groups in particular, such as sex workers. I would like to know. Sandra Wesley, the head of Stella, an organization composed mostly of current and former sex workers who advocate on behalf of women in the sex industry, said the murder was likely preventable. The fact that sex work is criminalized in Canada encourages women to work in secret, increasing their risk of being assaulted, she said. We're angry, said Wesley in an interview. The message from sex work is always the same. We are the experts of our needs, but no one listens to us. And I'll have to go back and look. I um, know they had a lot of issues regarding legislation and we're trying to pull the Nordic model. I don't know if that became um, a thing for Canada overall, if that was only in certain territories. But I do know that they were like, hey, the Nordic model will keep people safe, even though it absolutely doesn't. But maybe keeping people safe was never actually the goal. How about that? Ah. All right. So while we're here uh, discussing bad news, I'm just going to rip through one more story real quick. Um, Are you ready for the headline? You're going to be shocked by this. I know, y'all. Here we go. SESTA-FOSTA is detrimental to sex workers' safety, the study confirms. Who knew? All right. Uh, two years after SESTA-FOSTA became law, uh, a sex worker-led research initiative has confirmed that the anti-sex trafficking law actually renders sex workers more vulnerable to human trafficking and exploitation. The study released this week is one of the first to confirm SESTA-FOSTA's harm through direct correspondence with those affected. Uh, It is called Erased. The Impact of SESTA-FOSTA is a 53-page study penned by sex worker rights text collective Hacking Hustling. The study features two survey groups, online sex workers and street sex workers, who have limited technological access and features self-reported data via a uh, participatory participatory action research model. Co-writers Danielle Blunt and Ariel Wolf authored the study with help from Naomi Lauren of what the West Massachusetts Survival and Streetworker uh, Advocacy Group, whose corner is it anyway? Uh, 
Erased is steered by sex workers and organizations entirely. Blunt works as a professional dominatrix and has a master's degree in public health. Wolf is a researcher and former sex worker who uh, previously worked with the Red Umbrella Project. And Lauren is both an organizer and a stripper. The project began while Blunt was working on her master's, simultaneously doing sex work in a post-Sustafasta world and studying how it impacted her community really lit a fire and emphasized why she needed to publish the study's findings as quickly and safely as possible, says Blunt. Uh, this is a direct quote from Blunt. This study, I'm sorry, this report was largely dependent on volunteer labor funded primarily by our own sex work. As a sex worker who worked uh, before and after FOSTA, it also proved to be challenging to work on this project in a volunteer capacity as my own income has been feeling the effects of losing access to online spaces. Among online sex workers, respondents mostly considered SESTA-FOSTA to be overbearing and paternalistic law that haphazardly attempts to abolish the sex industry with no regard for the safety of people in the sex trades. According to the study, 72.5% of online respondents who rely on sex work for their income some said that they have faced increased uh, economic instability after SESTA-FOSTA, and 33% reported an increase in violent client experiences. Nearly a quarter said their housing circumstances were impacted after Backpage's closure and SESTA-FOSTA went into law, and one-fourth of online sex workers with chronic illnesses reported a flare-up in symptoms. Huh. Yeah, that sounds incredibly fucking accurate. Additionally, sex workers reported that they were reluctantly relying on workplaces with less autonomy after Backpage's closure, and that SESTA-FOSTA's introduction, 40, after SESTA-FOSTA's introduction, 40% of online users said over half of their clients were from Backpage. I lost all my income, my clients, and was forced to go back to a 9-to-5 job uh, that is ableist and doesn't accommodate my disabilities and health issues, said one online sex worker in the study. Sex work gave me freedom and flexibility before I lost it all. And then they just have some stats here that I'm going to rip through. Uh, 50% of respondents reported having chronic health issues or disabilities. Most common were chronic pain, autoimmune disorders, endometriosis, and mental health issues. 68% of respondents uh, have received a mental health diagnosis, such as depression, anxiety, ADHD, and PTSD. 78% of respondents reported that the majority of their income was from sex work. 46% of respondents said they had no other form of income. Uh, 8% of respondents defined themselves as financially secure, with an overwhelming majority saying they had income coming in, but were generally stressed about their financial security. 23% identified as insecure and didn't know where their next money would be coming from. 73% of respondents say their financial situation has changed since since Fosta. 72% of online respondents are facing increased economic instability. And 45% of respondents uh, could not afford to place an ad for their services on other online sites. Hmm. Online sex workers uh, rely on the internet to share harm reduction resources, such as bad date lists, providing information on violent clients. Uh, after SESTA-FOSTA, 21% of respondents said they could no longer access harm reduction resources they had previously used. According to safety concerns, the few remaining social media websites that have not removed sex workers have gained further power. Both Blunt and Wolf insist social media platforms need to stop discriminating against sex workers. Platforms need to do a better job of keeping marginalized communities safe on their platform. In our, in our report, we have some suggestions for platforms on how to do so. If a troll is able to weaponize your content moderation system to silence the voices of marginalized communities, your content moderation system has failed, Blunt said. Of course, there are benefits to community-only spaces, but I shouldn't have to rely solely on those platforms. That's not where clients are. Shouting into an echo chamber is not how we shift discourse in the media. Yeah, that's very accurate, actually. Um, 
No, I don't want to pop up. I'm trying to just read the story. Um, Erased also reveals different experiences between online and street-based sex workers. Among offline sex workers surveyed by Whose Corner Is It Anyway, the overwhelming majority did not necessarily understand SESTA-FOSTA, or did they report any direct impact on their work from the law's passage. Online workers said they were already dealing with traditional law enforcement... I'm sorry, offline workers already said they were dealing with uh, traditional law enforcement-based criminalization and didn't experience as direct of an effect as digital platforms. This suggests sex worker rights activists and reporters uh, what uh, this suggests what uh, sex workers rights activists and reporters have long brought up. Sex work is an intersectional issue. Sex work financial instability and workplace exploitation based on identity. Journalists and the public also need to understand that the most marginalized voices in the sex work community are often often dealing with a myriad of other forms of oppression based on race, sexuality, gender expression, or disability status. Writing stories that highlight the need for better systematic support is necessary to improve the lives of people, whether they're sex workers or not. This doesn't mean SESTA-FOSTA hasn't impacted street work at all. Nearly half of offline respondents said there were more street-based sex workers since Backpage's removal and SESTA-FOSTA. Online sex workers were now more vulnerable to violence, particularly from police. 30% of online sex workers and 20% of street workers said they faced increased violence. Online censorship and SESTA-FOSTA's enforcements have scattered communities, leaving sex workers without the few resources they previously had to find other sex workers, said Wolf. The relatively small amount of academic research on sex work has been overwhelmingly reductive and has contributed to paternalistic views that all sex work is inherently exploitative and is always done involuntarily and always warrants carceral action, said Wolf. I believe a lot of that is a reflection of current attitudes about sex and primarily women using sex to find gain and using sex to gain financial independence and not about helping people who experience violence and poverty. The voices of people who have real experience in the sex trade should be leading the conversation around what sex work is actually like and what is needed to reduce and prevent violence. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go back and read that study. It sounds fantastic. Uh, shout out to Hack- Hacking Hustling for getting that done for us. This is hugely important work. And of course, you know, I agree with all these things. And we have to remember that a lot of these uh, laws and policies and ideas that demonize and stigmatize sex workers are really, for the most part, um, rooted in the idea that we need to punish women for not performing femininity properly, not performing sexuality properly. And eventually that's going to blow back on all women. So, you know, important stuff. Anyways, um, I got to get out of here. I got to get on with the rest of my day. Thanks for hanging out with me for this little bit of time. Um, Yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) Uh, I will try to get more episodes done this week. If you have anything that you want me to cover regarding sex worker rights, you can always uh, shoot me a DM on Twitter at Negress, two P's, two T's, two S's. Um, And yeah, that's that. All right. I'll catch y'all later. Please try to stay safe and enjoy your Swapcast. Have a good day. They gonna run back to me Climbing over mountains